podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Have you been listening? Do you know what sport we're actually playing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I was number nine. Don't be putting me down at number 11. Back in the day, I defeated Dwayne The Rock Johnson twice. The Paralympics almost has more power than the Olympics ever will be. He's not really a fun kind of guy. He doesn't really like people. Come on then, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic teenagers who interview some of the biggest names within the world of sport. From world champions, World Cup winners, international athletes, Ryder Cup golfers, Ashes heroes and many other sportsmen and women, we delve deep into their sporting career, the highs and the lows and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. But that's enough for me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, Tom and Avatar, who host the podcast, and I'll let them introduce today's Hello guest. Hello and welcome See you later. to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Tom, and my friend Avatar. Technowood School is a school for autistic children and young adults, and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast, we have a very special guest. He is a serial entrepreneur, founder of Unicorn Incubator, and president of Sala Rugby. Welcome to the podcast, Don Einhorn. You came back to France a few years ago and became president of Sala Rugby. Did, how did that come about, and have you always been a rugby fan? I answer the second question first. I've always been somewhat of a rugby fan, although only for the French national team. So I didn't follow individual teams when I was younger. Uh, I always watched the French national team against, uh, obviously, England, some of the common foes, Australia, New Zealand, etc. So I have some fond memories of that. Uh, but it's when I moved back to France, it's not something I had in mind. Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to create an, an incubator, Unicorn, which exists today, which is also the lead sponsor for the rugby team. Hence the unicorn back on your wall. Uh, and then one thing leading to another, uh, you know, 2018, that was a, a small sponsor. 2019, I actually joined uh, the board of directors for the team, uh, primarily on the marketing side. And then in uh, the spring of uh, last year, 2020, uh, the very the very early innings of uh, COVID, uh, we decided to uh, take matters in our own hands. I uh, was contacted by the then uh, president, who is today my co-president, vice president, uh, Jean-Luc Marchand, the CPA, is still my CPA today, when he came to me and looking to see whether we could uh, help during you know difficult times where expenses were accumulating, but no games being played. So in other words, nothing but expenses, but no revenues. And we decided to jump on board, revamp the team, revamp the image of the team, the branding, build new websites, build new mobile apps, uh, put in place a streaming video solution uh, to give the club uh, a way, number one, to survive. And secondly, to generate more income and to ultimately thrive. How did you get into business in the first place? I think it traces back to struggles. I saw my parents as a young child struggling financially. Uh, I was the youngest of three boys, and it just never set well with me. 
the first thing I wanted to achieve was a level of success that would help me help them uh, get them out of their struggles. And that was a core driver for me early on. So it's never been about the money for the sake of the money, but it's always been about uh, being able to harness enough resources to have an impact first and foremost on my own family and then on my inner circle of loved ones, friends, etc. Um, do you enjoy your time in America? I did. I was 23 when I moved from uh, France to the US. Uh, initially, I left for two weeks and I came back 25 years later. So that should answer your question. So why did you make the move to, to America? Initially, I was looking for something different, something... Uh, it was a lifestyle choice first and foremost. Uh, I had a strength coach at that point, at point in time uh, that uh, was from Las Vegas. I met him at the gym in, in Germany, in Kale, Germany. And he kept telling me, come with me to the U.S., you know, see whether you like it or not. Uh, we really hit it off. Uh, I, I went there, I believe it was March 1993. Uh, and I came back in March of 2018. What is the biggest thing you learned from your time in America? I think, first of all, it's an excellent question. Uh, and I think it's an, an important one to understand for a lot of people who did not grow up in the U.S. Is that nothing, don't take anything for granted. Uh, there's no such, not such thing as free lunch, which we've all heard. But in the U.S., you live it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, another term you eat very, you hear very often is, uh, you eat what you kill. I'm a vegetarian. So that means a lot to me. Uh, basically is that nothing is served to you with a silver spoon. Uh, whatever, whatever you get, you have to earn, right? Uh, don't expect anybody else to provide for you. And I think that's a lesson that we should all learn as early as possible. I wish I had learned it even earlier. Uh, because it really served me well, even today. Um, what was your best with? So, mm. what was your best moment with Sala so far? Okay, what was your best moment with Sala so far? I think it's rather than pointing out one specific moment, it's their little challenges that we overcome. So it's more like a day-to-day thing rather I cannot really, cause it's still relatively new. So for example, we won yesterday. So good moment. We had a lot of people both online and uh, at the venue, beautiful weather. Uh, so those, those are great moments, but I think behind the scenes facing the challenges head on and overcoming those challenges. I think that's the most gratifying part of uh, who we are and what we do. I give you one concrete example. Uh, when we took over the club, we made the statement that we would be able to attract international sponsors to our team. And everybody was like, yeah, you're never going to be able to do that. Uh, you're a small local team in the Southwest of France. Why would anybody outside of the region, let alone outside of the country, pay attention to you guys and potentially even sponsor you? I said, okay, that's a challenge. It's not the first time in my life that people tell me we wouldn't be able to do what we set out to do. Uh, and today we have significant international sponsors. As a matter of fact, today, the primary means and resources of the club come by way of those international sponsors. So that's very gratifying, not only for me personally, but also for the team who participates in that process. 
And in this case, we have several international players on the team that uh, both play rugby and uh, also have a career in parallel where they work inside of Unicorn, working on the development of the club, uh, working on securing sponsorships. And they were the ones that made the initial contact with those sponsors. So it's doubly gratifying seeing that you can uh, bring in a foreign player who has never been to Salah in his life before, uh, in this case, Croatian and South African players. And they make the initial contact with someone they've never heard of, never knew. In some cases, they're a little scared, a little afraid because they've never done this job before and they see him grow as part of this process. So I think what's happening behind the scenes and off the pitch is even more gratifying than what we're seeing in terms of our four victories so far, four games played and four victories. What are your plans for Sala Rugby? The plan is the one we initially uh, put forward uh, when we uh, took over the club is to go full pro over the next five to seven years uh, and reach a pro D2 level in France, very high level of play. Uh, It is a very lofty ambition. Uh, I'll be the first one to say that. It's certainly a massive challenge to go from where we are today to where we intend to be five to seven years from now. But Rome wasn't built overnight. We don't intend to jump from A to Z, right? There are a number of letters in the alphabet we have to go through first. And uh, that's kind of, that's the process we've engaged on of checking off these boxes and saying, okay, uh, if you look, for example, where we are today, when we started at A, we want to go to Z, which is the Pro D2 level. I think we're probably at C, maybe D today. So we have a long ways to go. So I'm not 100% familiar with the, the leagues in France. So how many promotions do you need to get where you want to get to? One more than last year, because the uh, league just uh, did us a favor by uh, bringing on another level of play. Okay. So we're at the Federal 2 level now. If uh, we continue on the same trend, uh, we should logically move into Federal 1 next year, which is somewhat of a semi-pro level already. And then today you have a Nash, what's called a national level, national, which is a third tier. And then Pro D2 is the second tier. And then you got the top 14, which consists of the 14 best teams, professional teams in France. So what we're aspiring to long-term is the layer just below the very top cream of the crop, 14 teams. Uh, and that, you know, if we can do better than that, that, you know, obviously that would be welcome. But uh, our goal, our goal for now is uh, Pro D2 within the next five to seven years. Well, as you said earlier, you got off to a very good start winning the first four games. So obviously the team of a very good assembled team, you've got good management in place. And I noticed, like you said earlier, you've got players from, from all around the world. So how... How do you find these players? How do you find the players in Croatia, the players in South Africa? Have you got Skypes around or how, how, does that, how does that come about? That's a very interesting question. And it also kind of proves a point that we were unsure about initially because we decided to go into the project as a media project, first and foremost, building a brand in the hope that the people will come, they will engage with the content that we're putting out. And that's exactly what happened. So today, if you look at the makeup of the team, uh, the players, the coaches, uh, the media, uh, people interested in our project to come to us by way of seeing uh, what we're doing uh, online, on television, in streaming, on social media, et cetera. Uh, when we started, for example, we had 1,500 uh, fans on Facebook. Today, we have 150,000. Uh, so there's a lot of organic growth that comes as part of the process of uh, doing the right things, of 
having a team that puts out great content on a regular basis. We have uh, one of your citizens as coach of defense, David Ellis, uh, known to every rugby man in the world, uh, won uh, everything there is to win. Primarily with the French, with the French national team, he was the uh, head coach of defense in the early 2000s for the French national team. Has an amazing pedigree, uh, and he also came to us because he saw what we had put out in the media in terms of our objectives. And uh, I remember his first message to me was on LinkedIn. He came to me and said, "What you're looking to achieve, I've done it three times in a row." That was the hook that got me interested in today. David Ellis is, is on our team, is our head coach of defense. Well, you've got that's a very good defense then, I hope. It's coming along, although yesterday we could have done better, but every once in a while. <laughs> what are your plans to help amateur sports teams to become profitable thanks to your project with Solar Rugby? Yeah, so key question here. Uh, when we initially decided to tackle on headfirst the Sala Rugby project, we told ourselves that if we put forward this incredible amount of resources, both financial and human resources, it wouldn't be for a single team. Meaning that when we looked around uh, at different teams, rugby and non-rugby, you can take football, you can take handball, you can take basketball, you can take American football, at the amateur level, they all have a very defined set of problems that they're facing that are very, very similar, one from the other. Number one, they all lack resources, uh, financial resources primarily, uh, including human resources. Someone one translates to the other. Obviously, if you lack financial means, it's very difficult to do a lot of things, and you tend to rely on primarily and sometimes exclusively free labor, also known as volunteers. And uh, volunteers sometimes show up, they don't show up. And what we've seen, for example, if you take the website, the original website for Sala Rugby, when I came on board, the webmaster had disappeared along with the website. Right, That's obviously a problem. Uh, but we, we found that problem from one team to another. It wasn't an isolated problem just for our team. So what we decided to do is we decided to create a platform called Challenger X. And what Challenger X does is it basically platformizes, if we can say so, the offer that we have developed for Seller Rugby to be able to propose it on a platter to other teams who would want to follow in lockstep with what we've been able to do. So at the essence, at its very core, one of the major problems faced by all amateur teams in the world is a problem of branding and a problem of image. Let me explain what that means. If we all sat down today and we went through a list, a random list of 100 amateur teams, no matter where they're located in the world, no matter which sport they're playing, we would find out one important thing is that their brand lacks professionalism. We would be able to tell with this, within a split second, just by looking at their logo, at their website, if they have one, oh, this is clearly an amateur team. Now, that's a fundamental problem because those teams, those amateur teams, for them to really su survive and to ultimately thrive, they have to reach out to sponsors and convince the sponsors to trust them and do business with them in some shape or form. 
even for small amounts of money. However, that sponsor, let's take one. Let's, let's say you go to Coca-Cola, it's, you go to Disney, you go to Google, whatever that brand may be, or even a lot smaller than that. Once they look at that media asset, that website and that logo, they don't want to offend the team, but they're going to say, uh, you know, we don't have any more budget, you know, not this year, maybe next year, et cetera, et cetera. Or they're just going to bluntly say, sorry, we can't work with a team like you. If they're actually frank enough and honest enough to say so. But the fundamental problem is that their brand in which they have invested in sometimes to the tune of millions of euros or dollars or pounds, they don't want to align that brand, that investment against a much lower brand. So how do you solve that problem? Well, you have to start with a complete redraft, branding redraft. You have to completely recreate that image from the ground up, which is something we did at Salah Rugby. The logo that we had, nothing wrong with it for an amateur team, but you know we're a salamander. That's our mythical animal behind the logo that you see on our logo, right? Here's the salamander. But the old logo, when I looked at it at first, I couldn't determine whether it was a freshwater eel or a grass snake, right? But it was supposed to be a salamander. So the team, our team was founded in 1903. So it's 118 years old today. Internally, tongue in cheek, we call it the 118-year-old startup because we, have to, we had to redo everything from the ground up, starting with the logo. So what Challenger X does is addresses systematically all of these underlying issues that all of these teams face starting with the branding, brand development, brand management, outreach on social media, building a following to ultimately convincing sponsors to trust them with the money and invest some marketing dollars in that team. So it's a long process, but it's one that every single amateur team in the world faces today. Brilliant. That's, that's a very good answer. Um, my last question, Dom, is so when you came into the club and you rebranded, you changed lots of things, did you face any barriers for maybe the local fans, local people, the people that already worked for you, or was everyone on board with it straight away? I can't tell you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, as we say in the US, the pioneers take the arrows and the settlers take the gold, right? So in our case, we, we intend to be both the pioneers and the settlers. But it's interesting you mentioned that. Yes, initially, I would say... 60, 70% of the people locally were opposed to our project because it was a fundamental change from what they were accustomed to. So a lot of it was normal procedure. And then you had some hardcore people that were just doing everything. And to a certain extent, are still doing everything to make our project fail. And that's fine, right? When you're doing a project that's so drastically different than what people are accustomed to, we don't expect everybody to jump on board and to be in line in lockstep of what we do. Uh, however, the fundamental dynamics have changed dramatically in our favor, right? So many, many people that were opposed to the project are today for the project. Uh, some of them have been for the project from day one. And then, for example, yesterday came up from the, came down from the stands and I have a very good visual memory. So the haters, the hardcore haters, I know them. Uh, and three of them called me over to congratulate me about what happened. And all I had was these images flickering in my mind about all the negative comments that I posted on Facebook, et cetera. So I just said, thank you very much. I wish you the best. 
I'm not sure if they were genuine and not genuine, but uh, you know, obviously there is a change there. But again, if you're talking about professionalism versus versus amateurism, the fact that you're seeing detractors, people trying to denigrate what you do, that's just part of the process of growing up, of turning an amateur franchise into a professional club. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you, and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Tom Aftar, I wish you guys all the best. You got, think of this, you guys got the whole, your whole life in front of you. You guys are startups. Whatever you set your mind to, you guys can do. The first step you've already taken. You're proactive. You're talking to people like myself, a lot of constructive people. Try to learn from them as much as you possibly can. It's a media I never had access to when I was your age. I wish I did. But, uh, you know, the easiest thing to tell you guys is that don't follow my model. I'm, I'm not always right, but I can certainly tell you what not to do, right? <laughs> because I've been wrong so many times. So try to learn from people you engage with. Ask the questions that you want to ask, and they'll be very willing to tell you, you know, how they went through some of the struggles that you may be facing today. But all I can say is 10 years from now, because of what you're doing right now, you're going to be way ahead of the game. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Well, Fab, anything else, boys? You happy? No, I'm fine. Yeah. I, I'm glad what's been provided this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So the podcast has provided us some amazing opportunities, isn't it? We're off to a film premiere next week, aren't we? One a few weeks. Yeah. So, um, Lots of amazing opportunities that it's provided you. So keep it up. You're doing a good job, boys. Well done. Thank you so much, guys. Pleasure meeting you all. Fab, I think we're talking, to, um, we're talking to a few players next. So Which your... ones? Which ones? I heard you guys are talking to some of them, but I'm not sure which ones. I think it's Philip and Matt. Oh, very good. So interesting with Philip and Matt because they both work on, the, on brand development with sponsors. So they've both made some key contacts uh, with sponsors. They didn't know at all. So they have a direct impact on the development of the team from a sponsor development side. Brilliant. Well, make sure we ask them about that. We'll, yeah, definitely. We'll definitely. probe some answers from them. Yeah. Yeah, both of them are extremely well-spoken. So they, you know, they, they know what they're talking about. And that's the reason why they, they're successful with sponsors as well. Brilliant. Well, we look forward to it. Right, Dom, thank you so much. All the best to you guys. If you need anything, thank, thank you, Dom. Take care. See you, Dom. See you. Join us today on the TWS Sports Podcast. We have some players from Sala Rugby in France. Hello, boys. How are you? Hello there. Thank you for such a warm welcome. I'm feeling great. How are you, Matt? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for the, the welcome. Brilliant. So we're joined by Matt and Philip, who are players at the team. So, yeah, welcome, boys, and hope you, hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Looking Thanks. forward. We like to start the podcast off with some quick fire questions. Are you ready? Born ready. Let's go. <clears throat> Favorite holiday destinations? Oh, very good question. Well, I come from Croatia, and Croatia is beautiful. And whenever I speak with someone, they always want to visit Croatia. And I usually answer, Me too, because I'm always abroad and I'm never at home. So I'm going to say Croatia, obviously. And I love. New Zealand, Australia, islands. I just love the sunny weather, the beach, and I'm all about that. I would say coming from South Africa, definitely somewhere tropical, along the coast, along the beach, 
Um, yeah, exactly that. Tropical. Would you rather be able to talk to animals or speak every language in the world? Oof. <laughs> you answered this one first, man. I would say speak, speak all the languages. I'll say speak with animals, you know, just to see what's going on in their minds. Yeah, what about you, Tom? Would you rather speak every single language or speak to all the animals? <clears throat> Definitely animals. I, I would love personally to speak to my dog because he can be such a rascal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you boys know English, you know, wherever, whatever country you go into, you can speak. So you're fine. If you could trade lies with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oof, wait, I need to think about <laughs> trade lies. Very good question. We've caught you off guard with these questions, haven't we? Oof, this one is very, very good. <clears throat> it, it has to be someone in the past, you know, when the world was different. I would change my life. I would change with Julius Caesar back in the Rome, just to see how the world looked back then. So he were your sporting hero growing up. And do you would um, always always want to be a rugby, uh, rugby player? Rather, so who were your sporting heroes growing up? And did you always want to play rugby? There's also a very good question. Um, for me, I think it was my father. He was very involved in sports growing up and he is the one who taught me all the values and how important sport is and healthy lifestyle. But in terms of rugby, I think growing up, I spent most times watching Jonah Lomu. And what about you, Matt? Growing up in South Africa, um, rugby is obviously a huge thing and it's like our culture. So I'd say <clears throat> we'd always have the game on on Saturdays or on the weekends watching the Springbok players etc etc so i would say just wouldn't rather have a player but just the team the spring box watching the team every weekend um and my dad played rugby as well so i'd like to follow in his footsteps what was so, the second part of the question sorry um and did you always want to play rugby on me i got quite early into it so i think yes from young age i really wanted to you know give it a try go abroad and play so philip i always want to ask ask you this question philip because in South Africa, South Africa's a massive rugby country, but mm -hmm. Croatia's not really a very well-known rugby country. It's probably more football. No, so not at come, all. How come you got into rugby and not not football or a different sport? Yeah, well, that's a very also good question. Well, when I was very, very young, I managed to break my leg while I was playing with my friends. <laughs> and since then, I was always very slow. Um, I was always slow with my feet and I just couldn't, when I played football with my friends, I never enjoyed it because I was always the worst. But when I came to rugby, it didn't matter. I could just catch a ball, move in all directions, carry the ball. So that's how I kind of really, really uh, grew onto it. And since then, I just stick with it and I'm happy I made a decision. How did you hear about Sala Rugby and when did you join? So I actually heard through it, they actually started publishing a lot of videos online on social media and I'm, I came across it on LinkedIn and I've uh, spoken with coach and the president and they liked what I had to offer and we had a little meeting and I've arrived in February this year. So it's been eight months so far. Social media as well, um, hopped on a call and I arrived six months ago. So we just chatted to, to Dom, the, the president, and he mentioned when he took over the club, the rebranding of the club and the social media side of the club was a big, a big thing for him. So without that, you would probably never heard of Salah and you wouldn't be playing, playing for the team. It's very, very highly possible, yes. 
What were your thoughts when you arrived at Sala Rugby? Well, for me, it was my first time in France. I was very, very excited, you know, visiting a new country, new language. I don't, I can't speak French. I mean, I'm teaching it, learning it. But uh, yeah, I was very excited, especially with pandemic and Corona. It was just very nice to kind of change the environment from being in your home, in your city. So just a new challenge. So I loved it. For me, um, the project, it's a big project and I'd love to be involved with the project going forward. Um, also, the Salo is a beautiful city, a beautiful small village. Um, so I'm very attracted to everything that Salo has to offer. The Henshaws Insurance Group is one of the top 100 independent insurance brokers in the country and is here to bring you peace in mind. We've been in business for over 50 years and have offices in Newport, Shrewsbury and Stafford. Our 45 plus strong team deals with both business and personal insurance. And we offer a free, no obligation, consultations and quotations. So give us a call today. Do you have another job within the rugby team? Uh, yes. Uh, both of us were actually working on international market. Uh, focusing on partnerships and sponsorships. So our job is to present the club in the best possible manner and reach out to the company and possibly find a successful synergy between our brands. So how do you find that? Because obviously you're predominantly rugby players, but the the club has given you an opportunity to to have a, a job and a, get another income. How do you find how do you find the job side of things? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally. I've been very involved with my education, especially I'm studying in the UK as well, currently online. So I understand the importance of business and all this knowledge we need to gather as players during a rugby career. So from that perspective, I really like it, you know, to be able to learn something new at the same time while being connected to rugby. So even when I'm in the office, I'm still focusing around solid rugby rather than some other kind of the business. Um, Having come from South Africa and... When I played in South Africa, it was just rugby all the time. And my previous club as well in France, just rugby. So it's a bit of a change, but it's a good change because as Philip said, it's very important um, to get experience in the, with the job. And you never know when it's your last game. Um, injuries always happen. So mm-hmm. for me, it, I would say it's really good experience and definitely something new, something really, really cool. What are the future plans for Salah Rugby? Well, currently, uh, the plans are pretty much the same as today, and that is to expo- exponentially grow as a club and as a company and reach priority two in the next you know, five to eight years. Uh, first goal would be winning this league and reaching federal one. And you've obviously got off to a very good start. So promotion this season is, is highly likely, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of our tasks. We're not afraid to say it. You have lots of different players from different countries in your team. Do you enjoy the different cultures and different languages? Yeah, of course. I mean, even me and Matt, I mean, he's from South Africa, I'm from Croatia, and now we met each other in France. It's quite funny. And we have a lot of boys from Islanders, you know, from islands, uh, Tom from Tonga, Fiji. And it is it is very interesting to have all of these cultures together. You know, one day we go to Matt's house to have a dinner. We go to someone else's to see how the food changes, the rituals around it um i love it i personally love it and that's one of the reasons why i went abroad so early 
Yes, I would say it's very interesting to to almost discover a new culture to see how someone else has, has been raised, to see how someone else has experienced what what is experienced in life, just just to learn different languages, learn different cultures. So I'd say we're a very diverse group, and it's it's really really cool to be a part of. Do you ever find that it's sometimes maybe a bit of a challenge because people from different countries and different cultures have different sense of humor, a different kind of way of life. Does that sometimes cause a bit of a conflict in the team at times? It could, but to be fair, uh, everywhere I went around the world, there is just something special about rugby community. Um, we are we are so similar in many ways. But to be fair, the only challenge is maybe with French players. Not many of them speak very good English, and not many of us speak very good French. <laughs> so sometimes we really need to improvise to talk to each other. But at the same time, they're learning a new language, and we are. So it's very good for us. So how 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 is your French coming along? Can you give us a sentence? Uh, très bien. <laughs> it's coming along very good. <laughs> No, slowly but surely. I really need to get on it. I'm I'm being a bit lazy, guys. I'm not going to lie. What do you want to do when you finish playing rugby? Oof, you go first, Matt. I need to think. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I definitely like to possibly start my own business, open up. Uh, one idea would open up a, a really cool old school gym or a CrossFit. Um, I enjoy it. That's what I enjoy. I enjoy fitness, health, and uh, nutrition as well. My girlfriend as well. So I think that would be quite a cool little adventure that her and I would both be keen on starting one day. Uh, for me, quite similar. Um, I've been studying, you know, sports science for the last five years and I love it. And I'm definitely going to stay in sport. I'm still not sure in what exactly way. Is it going to be, you know, a gym, a sports brand, a project? But as well as developing Croatian rugby, I would love to be able to one day come back home in my country and learn everything. Uh, and use everything I learned so far and try to help, you know, players back home. Brilliant. I've got a, sorry, it's for you again, Philip. It's about Croatia. I just want to know how has rugby developed in Croatia over the last sort of maybe 10 years? Do you have a national team? Do you play for the national team? Yes, yes. We have a national team and we have huge two games coming up now in November. Um the team is definitely producing results, but it's so hard to stay sustainable in terms of marketing and attracting new people next to football, especially because we've done so well in this last World Cup and everything is just going around football. It's really hard to get space for rugby. So there is definitely potential. There just needs to be some stronger marketing strategies, from my opinion. Brilliant. And, and Matt, obviously, rugby in South Africa is, is, is huge. Looking at maybe the the next World Cup which is the next year or the year after mm. do you think South Africa have got a good chance I think yeah I think so I think South Africa has, has always got a good chance um, we always show up in the big games um, I think the last few games in the the last tournament we were playing in in Australia South Africa were under the pump we lost two against Australia lost one against New Zealand and the last game we, we pulled through in one so I think when the big games come we pull out we really pull up and I think we have a chance. I think there's, a, there's enough youth. There's so many talented players in South Africa. Um, so I think for sure we have a chance. Uh, it would be difficult, of course. And obviously it was the Lions tour this summer just gone. And obviously you, you were very lucky to beat us, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a really good series. Um, I'm glad Springboks won, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was a really good series. And yeah, it was good rugby was played. 
one or two referee calls, but <laughs> of course, <laughs> still one at the end of the day. No, it was a, it was a fantastic series. It was really good. Yeah. If if you both created a, an autobiography, uh, how would you start it? Oh, that's oh, a good question. Great question. Great question. I hope my title will be somehow, you know, uh, he made it from Croatia no matter what. Because I come from such a small country and uh, to be able, you know, to play with such a players from France and England where rugby is so developed, it's always been a challenge, but I'm always keen for a challenge. So something like this. What do you think, man? I'm it's a great sure. question. It's a great question. <laughs> great question. Um, really not sure. Possibly playing abroad, um, you know, what I've experienced, what, 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 what happened in South Africa, what I've experienced in South Africa and comparing it to what I've experienced in France and life abroad, life in France, um, possibly something along those lines. What about you two? How would you start your autobiographies? My, mine would be like, it would start about my childhood, really. And I, I think, I think like, it'd be like about like dynamic aspects to myself, like, and then like about journeys, because I know that journeys are really impactful in life. So I definitely say like the overall journey as well should definitely be added on that. Of course, good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. We want to wish you all the best for the season and keep up your amazing work. Thank you. No problem, guys. guys. Uh, Super, super delighted to be here talking with you guys some really really creative and good questions uh which can put anyone on spot so keep them don't forget them <laughs> and uh, thank you for the good wishes for the season uh feel free to check us out on the streams and if you're ever around visiting france make sure to let us know and we'll get you here in sarlat and show you the city and everything yeah Brilliant. thank you guys thanks so much perfect guys thank, thank you very you. much enjoy your day thank you see you later bye bye I just wanted to give a shout out to the Daily American Podcast. This is another great podcast where Dan interviews people from around the world who have very interesting stories of struggle in life, struggles in life, overcoming challenges and battling through tough times. So please go and check out the Daily American Podcast. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network.